Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And John's not with us. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your gaming podcast where I'm sending the message to you. My mind to your mind. My thoughts to your thoughts. Shouldn't be thinking like that. You're a church going man. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. You dug too deep. (laughs) Trav and I are continuing our talk, actually, adventuring on a truly advanced planet or culture. So we're going to pick it up under instrumentality telepathy. Okay, And I had that on my list as saying, not only you know, do we have a device that allows one person to read another person's mind, uh, to communicate with them, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the, the primary reason I would think of someone doing this would be for two reasons. One is is that probably some kind of, of um, you know, spooky physics would be going on so that you could actually communicate with each other over any distance, uh, possibly at any time, uh, but most likely at any distance. So you'd have fashion-like communication mind-to-mind. Uh, the second reason is because... Uh, it would probably be very covert because there's no connection, there's no real emission occurring outside of your connected minds. So therefore, whatever was said between you two or three or four, depending upon whether they had a group mind option, uh, then you would be able to do that without worrying about people over intercepting your, your communication. Okay, so it would not be what I had said before the taping was mechanized hive mind because usually you're in a hive mind the convention i get is that all know everybody knows everything everybody perceives what everyone else perceives okay so this this is more of a you have the ability to contact anyone you want it's almost like mental instant them mental instant messaging yeah I mean, except for the fact is that it would be like a real thought, you know, like a real sentence, kind of like your internal dialogue that you engage in. I don't know. I do it all the time where I'm literally having discussions with myself all the time. So you'd be having that with somebody else. I would think that with, you know, since it is an instrumentality, they would be able to make all the voices sound different, you know, so you wouldn't have this situation we talked about where if somebody was actually engaging in telepathic communication with you, it would it might sound like your own internal dialogue. So you wouldn't know which were your thoughts and which were the thoughts that were coming into your mind from somebody else. Using some kind of a, of a, a device that was created, maybe you're, you, know, it would, you would be, get different voices. Just like you can, you can change your internal dialogue to be a different voice if you wanted to. You could you know, have them talk you know, like uh, you know, you know, Roy Rogers or you know, talk like um, Darth Vader or anything like that. You can make that happen. So theoretically, you know, since it is a device that's been uh, created, then they would have more options that, you know, than you would normally be able to do yourself. Okay, you're coming off the fringe paths, and that let's say it's a function that anyone's there, it kicks in. However it comes about, nanites a harmonic mental field around the planet, whatever. And all of a sudden, you're getting these voices in your head. And let's say because you're a newbie at this, you don't know how to control it and keep it under wraps. I could see a lot of Earth Prime, you know, and a lot of IDET United people starting to lose their stuff because they got all these... Let, let's say they go to this planet. It has this instrumentality telepathy. And it's all of the race, let's say they're in suspended animation, they've just decided, you know what, we're going into 
Oh God, what is the one from Centauri Knights, the BESM? They just call it Singularity. And they basically, via nanites, just ascended to a mental form. And they're all in this, this data cloud. So that's how, let's say that's how the race is and the United Fringe team comes through. And all of a sudden the nanites go, oh, new fresh meat mines, boom. And now you've got billions of these voices in your head and you can't block them out because you don't know how to do it yet. It'll take time and effort and you know trial and error. I could see a lot of United people just threatening to crack because of just the mass amount of these different voices in their heads. Well, maybe, maybe because it, because you're not a, a, a telepath. Well, like, well, if you had a telepath on the team, they'd be telling you, okay, this is what you do to calm down, to focus, so you can focus on one voice at a time or shut them all out if you want. Yeah, because a telepath would be used to that. It would just be, because again, the convention with a lot of telepaths is that when a, their telepathic gift kicks in, we'll use um, Jean Grey for an example. She was getting all of these voices in her head, and that's when Xavier found her and taught her to calm it down to where she could regulate what she hears when. Well, but since it is a device, don't you think they would have a way of, of isolating so that only you, you could only talk to the minds you wanted to talk to without you having to you know, go through a, a, a major learning process? I would think so, but still you'd have to learn... It'd be a learning process, just not as bad if it were some type of, excuse me, device. I mean, if you, everybody, you know, had a handle that was unique to them, then they could just simply go and say, you know, mind link, you know, Trav. Because I don't know too many people who have Trav as their name. And and they, and it would, all of a sudden, you'd be getting a bing in your head. It would. I, I see this, the best way to describe it would be, mental instant messaging where you'd have group chats and you would have the main chat room. Yeah, my, my point was is that we didn't want to, we wanted to separate it from just basically doing genetic engineering. You know, that this was actually something that was made mechanically. Yeah, nanites. I, I use nanites for that. Nanites is one way of doing it. You know, they it, it, that's probably, that, that makes more sense to people today. At one time, they thought about just wearing a headset. Yeah. Or something along those lines, you know. So yeah, but whatever method you use of doing it, you know, it's still the point is is that it's it's external to your brain. You're not actually, you know, uh, attaching something to your cortex. Okay. I mean, you are with the nanite thing, but what you see, what I'm saying is that you're not actually. Um, you know, you're not changing the, the person's brain to be able to, you're not giving it a third lobe. Yeah. <laughs> third frontal lobe to be able to handle the communicate, or, or it's actually be the occipital ridge because that's where hearing is probably. But yeah, some, you know, so everybody has to get a brain case enlargement to handle the new thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was just kind of it, you know, where it, it, you could make, it could be small, it could be large. You know, uh, there could be like, you know, rows of, of, of booths like they used to have for telephones where people could just get in and, you know, spend, you know, talk to each other, spend time with somebody across the globe, you know. But, you know, it, the, the truly advanced one was literally where you just simply go and say, just just basically say, I want to talk to John. And um, and and all of a sudden, you know, they, 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 they it comes back and says, John Ryer. And we're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, John Ryer is available, you know, wants to talk to you. And then, boom, you're talking to each other. You know, that would be great, you know, and, and that would be something that, you know, would allow you to have really fast communication. Um, there could be whole television. Sh I mean, every time where someone's trying to reach somebody and, you know, they're, they're they're not uh, they're having trouble you know getting together because they can't get to a phone or whatever. Same thing would work with this, but, but you could actually be across across a galaxy, you know, because if it is using that kind of spooky physics, then you may be talking to John on you know an entirely different solar system, possibly even another galaxy. Well, it'd be like how Star Trek does quote unquote subspace radio, where you might have a little bit of lag 
you know, kind of like when you see people talking via satellite on the news, you'll catch that maybe one or two second lag and then they'll answer the question. Right. Yeah, they did that in, um, uh, in, in the original two, uh, two, 2001, where they were trying to talk to somebody who was on the moon and there was a, th- there was a second and a half delay between each side. So the, the back and forth was like three seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, I just saw it recently. Our, our getting, I'm getting local here. Our local Fox affiliate, hit, the entertainment reporter, was talking to the guy who plays... Um, General Hux in the new Star Wars movies, uh, Domhnall Gleeson. And there was that about two-second delay between Lee Thomas talking and then Gleeson replying. So, yeah, it's just that's due to the satellite lag. And it it is. It's maybe one or two seconds, but you could still have a reasonably coordinated conversation. So, but I I could also see this instrumentality telepathy Let's say it allows things, I mean, it could be used as a weapon. Let's say, um, and what is the term from the smart light PDFs I have? Mimetic viruses. Basically, you are hacking other people's brains. You're getting in that deep into their, through the nanites, you know, they can access all your thoughts and senses. That could be some dangerous stuff. Things like, uh, let's see, in the cyberpunk realm, they called it black ice, intrusive countermeasures, electronics. You could get in there and just really ruin somebody's day because you could sit there and subvert their senses, their sense of balance, their sense of time. You could lock them in their own little like cyberspace realm where they're just outwardly, they're catatonic and they're living you could totally override every facet of their brain if you get in, if you hack in good enough. I could see this as a very scary, uh, just as a really bad weapon. And I mean, that could be a a thing for the, the Earth Primers or the United to come in and say, well, why is this planet dead? Well, they basically hacked themselves to death. The system is still running, it's just... It was so long ago, you know, everybody just basically fought via mentatics, so to speak. So, yeah, that could be a very creepy, a very creepy weapon to use. And, of course, you know, any technology can be weaponized. I mean, Oppenheimer didn't want to make a bomb. It was the U.S. government that said, no, we're making a bomb. Hence, I've become death, the destroyer of worlds. Um, So, yeah, I could see this. It's definitely a double-edged sword, and it definitely is a very cool thing to have because you could get... It It, it sort of goes back to the where did you, from the first part, tapping into the collective unconscious of all things, the that Akashatic record that I mentioned last time, where you just reach out into the ether, and if you dig deep enough, you can find out anything about anything from any time. It's just here it'd be more real-time. You couldn't go into the past and dig back what your grandfather had said unless it was in somebody else's brain now. So that's the best way I could see that that would be different from that tapping into the collective unconscious that we mentioned earlier. Right, right. Okay. All right, so you want to move on to the next one? Yes, mechanical learning. Yeah, mechanical learning. Um, we have a really good example of it within the last 20 years, and that was the Matrix. You know, I know Kung Fu. Downloading skilled databases into your brain. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's uh, of the same... I have that with the same PDFs that I just mentioned, the smart, the smart lights, the <laughs> nanites hacking into the synapses. Yeah, where you're right, downloading right. whole skill sets, anything from combat to... Electronics, mechanical awareness, um, historical facts. Oh, yeah, that would be wonderful. I mean, it would take online learning to a whole new uh, level. And I do remember from Next Gen reading one of the many novels that they did that Data, when he went to Starfleet, when he went to the Academy, a lot of people automatically didn't like him. It's like he doesn't have to learn. He can just download it and he knows it all. Right. But one of the things that they did really well in The Matrix was 
just knowing how to do it didn't make you good at it. Well, yeah, you still had to, just because you had theory, you didn't have the practicum. I mean, yeah, Neo, he knew Kung Fu, but he had to work through the moves and everything. And meanwhile, Mor Morpheus was mopping the floor with him. That's right. Uh, yeah. Until he, he, you know, got into that groove and caught him with that one-inch punch where even he sat back like, oh, crap. So, you know, it's the same thing where you go and you open a book and you see a calculation, you know, like when you were learning math in school. You know, if you didn't do the problems at the end of the, the lesson, you didn't really learn it. Yeah, because, again, it's down to theory and practicum. Yeah, you have to basically wrap your mind about how do I use this and what, you know, how do I recognize when I should use this? So unless, you, unless you're doing something which would be heinous, which would be downloading someone's brain entirely into your mind, you know, which would be the really dark side of this. Where it's like, okay, we have this, you know, uh, top, you know, SAS guy or uh, uh, American, you know, airborne ranger. So we'll just basically, you know, take a, a hundred soldiers and make them copies of him. Oh, God, there was a movie out a few years ago about that. I want to say it was called, okay, it had Kevin Costner and Ryan Reynolds. Wow, I, I don't know it. I, yeah, I think it was called The Criminal where... Kevin Costner was just this, apparently this really bad man. He died and somehow his essence, his personality was downloaded into Ryan Reynolds. And so now because he had the information of this guy, I guess he was being hunted. But it was along those same lines where, and also that could be bad for the mechanical learning. Let's say you download somebody's mind. That's that, that's that split personality level type stuff where... You're not knowing where your thoughts are and, okay, did I think this or was this the other guy? Yeah, see, I don't think that would happen accidentally. I think it would be, have to be intentional if it was mechanical learning. Yeah, I think that would, you, I mean, that also be kind of, it, it would be kind of a, um, well, I don't think you'd do it force unless you were basically trying to mind wipe somebody. You're just like, Okay, I want to make him part of my able plan. Fine, I will download this template into his brain, and he will be part of the plan. Right. Well, it, it could be done for pleasure. Uh, I mean, we there's a number of, of movies out where you would voluntarily give control of your mind over for a period of time, and at which point they would come in and they would ride. You know, you, you're like a really fit, handsome guy or, or woman, and so someone pays you to ride around in your brain for a while, you know, go out there and do race cars and get into fights and screw people, and then when it's over, you got a nice big fat chunk in your bank account, and you don't remember any of it. But, you know, as long as it doesn't kill you, you know, or put you in the hospital, then you just basically shrug it off and say, hey, I don't remember it. So it didn't happen as far as you were concerned. Well, yeah. Also, there was, and I think I've seen this in books called Stim Vids, where basically you can live through other people's experiences where they record the experiences of all the things that you just mentioned. And you get to live through them. Either they're like a movie where you just watch yeah. or you actually are that person and in a way it's almost like those old choose your adventure books where you make the decisions based on okay I'm at this this crossroads here do I you know do this or this and then it would be sort of a planned out kind of a scenario it would take immense mental hacking and programming skills and whatnot but you make these videos. I want to be an action hero. Well, they download the action hero program and you make, you go through like a fight scene in a movie, you know, like a bar fight or whatever. Yeah, I can see where it would be. Like Total Recall. Entertainment for like what? Like Total Recall. Yeah. Like what it was supposed to be, where you get to live, you know, for a period of time, you know, as an action hero or, a, you know, a spy or whatever. Oh, yes. Get your ass to Mars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, trying to recall what other thing, what other instance was it where it was mechanical learning? I just wanted to say is that the reason I think that it would have to be intentional was because unless 
the download or whatever took exactly the same amount of storage space for whatever you were trying to do, then you'd be able to tell if something wasn't the right size when it was, you know, when it was being downloaded, you know. Oh, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Yeah, where he actually, you know, it was, for those of you who don't know, it was a short story actually written by William Gibson, the father of cyberspace. And the movie was directed by Robert Longo and it starred Keanu Reeves. And he played a courier where you would download information into his brain and he would walk it over and then with a code, uh, like a multi-picture code, like the code would have to be a red balloon, a German Shepherd puppy, and a storm cloud. Well, if the recipient had those three pictures and he uploaded it into John's brain, the character played by Reeves, the information would download to the recipient and his job would be done and, you know, funds would be transferred. Problem is, he downloaded, he got too much downloaded in, and this has been 20 years ago, so there's no spoiler here. It was like plans that had to do with the technology of the world. And he was starting to have, um, like, hemorrhaging because it was just too much for the mental, the, the hard drive that had actually been implanted in his skull. And he had to give up memories in order to have this hard drive put in his head. I think one of the lines is, says, I don't remember any childhood birthdays. Right. That was how he got the space he needed in order to do this. He, he replaced his childhood memories with a space that could be, uh, they could take data and load up and, and download from. Yeah. But because it was the size of the data, which had to do with Jones the Dolphin and Ice Cube had to get, or yeah, um, Ice T's character had to be involved. He was starting to hemorrhage because it was just too much for that gray matter hard drive to take. Right. He put too much, he, he basically went over the, the safety limit of that area. And so it was, the data was actually beginning to become, um, uh, corrupted, and so that's why they had to involve the uh, biological computer uh, Jones to be to hook into it and basically pull it from his brain safely, and also turn it into some into something that could be transmitted, which he which he then, as you say, spoilers transmitted to the entire world. Yeah, I still remember I, I, that movie. I love the rant where he's there standing on top of the junk pile in Tokyo. I want this, I want this, and I want my shirts pressed by the laundry at the Tokyo Imperial Hotel. <laughs> he just goes off in this rant because he was tired of doing all this, and he just wanted to relax. Well, his was a very, very, you know, white-collar job. I mean, his job was literally, you know, to, to walk in, put this, put this thing on, you know, fill it up into his brain, walk it over to someplace else because it was the most secure way of transmitting data, you know, and and get paid enormous amounts of money for this, and then he'd go out to a nightclub and 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 you know buy you know hundred dollar shots of, of whiskey and stuff because he was rich, rich, rich. So you know having to basically be chased through the sewers and 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 beat up and all the stuff that happened to him in this movie, it was not what he wanted. It was you know uh, yeah, but the rant was beautiful. It yeah. really was. He was <laughs> I'm surprised that nobody's. T- Take it out and said, "Yes, this is white privilege." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we might want to edit that. Anyways, no, come uh, on, it's a joke. <laughs> but you can use it. I mean, because this guy was very entitled. He was very used to be having really, really nice things. He was. He got. He got learned to be spoiled because, again, the life. He was paid well for the very dangerous job that he was doing. Yeah, it was not only dangerous for his brain because you know of the possibility of what ended up happening but just there are people that want that information and you know he could be captured tortured killed you know just, yeah but up till then he'd always had somebody watching his back and just it was safe 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 it never was something so valuable that it was worth literally having a bad guy man on him you know? yeah it's, it's just he, he he had real, you know, he didn't, he didn't know either because he just simply took the job. Nobody told him that he was that his life was literally going to be on the line every second, and that the death squads were going to be coming after him. And he didn't know what the information was because he never got to see it. It was downloaded in, and it was blocked away from. 
any more than you would if someone basically handed you an, a, 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 you know, a file called 001MP4. What's on that file? You don't know. You're just storing it. <laughs> You're copying it, putting it on a jump drive. You never know what's on it unless you put it through a player. Yeah, he, he was, everything was confidential and just, yeah, he never, he never questioned it. It's just like, yeah, I'll get it to point B, you pay me, it's all good. End of transaction, yeah. Yeah, and that's how everybody wanted it to be, but except for the people who wanted it not to happen that way. Right. So, and that and that's and that's very much a mechanical learning thing, except in this particular case, the idea was not to integrate it into your your existing skill set, but to keep everything separate. And they've also done that in a, uh, a couple of shows where it was kind of like sitting in someone's brain like a time bomb, where at a certain point, all of a sudden, they would suddenly gain these abilities because that's when they would need them. So you could have your, um, I think, um, 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 my, I'm my own enemy or something like that, where he, he had all these super spy abilities, but he didn't want to like kill anybody who came, woke him up in the middle of the night with with super martial arts so when he went home all that was suppressed and he had no access to any of those super abilities oh I have another way about the mechanical learning that would work didn't know why I didn't think of this before Farscape John Crichton the wormhole knowledge that the ancients and Einstein downloaded into his brain he could not access it until he understood the base concepts the more he understand the more he could draw from it but it was a data dump and in peacekeeper war it was a data dump where his temple was bleeding because einstein you know it's like he went back to that 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 in between space and he told einstein give me the wormhole weapon knowledge he comes back and he's there wandering through moya and scorpius is happy and he's like get out of my face and you're seeing blood coming down from his temple because it was just such a massive data dump that einstein had given him so he hashing it out after a while but still it was that much of a sort of a brute force i'm going to cram this all into your brain type thing because you need to know so moving on to number seven we have creation of matter from energy without noticeable collateral effects okay sounds to me like the the basic em conversion in star trek transporter technology yes and yeah, you know, yeah, they're they're basically they make a, a thing of tea, you know, right there in front of somebody, and there's no like you know wasted energy whatsoever. I mean, it, it doesn't like suddenly flood the room with heat. I mean, there's no entropy involved. You just get exactly what you were wanting. It's just exactly right. And when you pick it up, it's chilled or exactly the temperature you wanted it to, instead of it being really really hot because you just forced a whole lot of atoms together to create this object. That's a hell of a heat sink then. Um, yeah, yeah, you would have, let's see, matter from energy, of course, you'd have to have, <clears throat> excuse me, a, I'm looking here for the right word, a template. If you wanted to convert energy to say, let's say I want to make and I'll use the term from the old DuckTales, a three-quarter picnic flange. You would have to have the template of what a three-quarter picnic flange was in order for, once the command is given, the EM conversion turns energy into matter in the form of a three-quarter picnic flange. So yeah, you would have to have, in order to do this, you'd have to have the template of things, because let's say you say something, well, Unless you know how to program this device that makes it. It's like the food processors in Incursion. After a while, people learn how to program. Because I remember in Incursion 2, when the HCMS Chalk River got their food processor, there's a McDonald's hamburger and fries in this. That means humans have been out here that they program the stuff in. The Russian sailor ate the burger. He's like, yeah, it tastes just like I got fresh from McDonald's. Like I just walked away from the counter with it. Because they're, they probably, people from the Ardana knew, programmed that into the template. And after a while, it got spread out to where anybody could have 
a happy meal if they just programmed it properly, if they, you know, call for these things. So, yeah. But it would take templates in order to do it. The computer would have to know, unless it had that link that it just knew everything automatically, you'd have to pre-program whatever it is you wanted to make into this device that would do this. Uh, let's see, create matter from energy. Yeah, and, and we're not just talking and, and see, as you're, you're made a good choice there because you got meat that has to be a certain temperature and, of course, a very a, 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 a non-uniform consistency because anybody's ever had a hamburger knows you got gristle in there, you got the meat, you yeah. got the fat, yep. you got, might have a couple of you know ground-up veins and stuff like that because it's hamburger. Okay? Yeah. But then you also have you know a pickle, okay, which is cold. And it has, you know, uh, a kind of a, a salt, a, a dill, and but it has a gummy texture to it. Yeah, it's totally a different texture. Okay, and then you got to put, let's say, a piece of lettuce that has to be crispy, and it has to be, it, and it has to at least look like living tissue because you know, and um, and so forth. You know, tomato and whatever else, not you know, and so I mean to be able to. You know, do all that and put the sesame seeds on the bun and toast the bun. I mean, we're talking, you know, uh, incredible, as, as they say, a, a precision beyond present understanding. We can't even imagine how that would even be possible to do. The most we have now, and I, this goes back to the whole canned haggis thing with Rich. It's a story I'm sure we've told before. They have 3D printers out now that can print edible content now from what i'm understanding it's probably going to end up being like the ramen noodles that you get in the little packages where yeah there might be some taste flavoring stuff that's added as it prints it out you could eat it it's the whole thing yeah it's something you could eat and notice i said something you could eat um but yeah that's what the most that they have now it's not intricate it's not something you'd want to live on, but they have done it. There is no way that if you eat this stuff, you would be convinced that you were eating a sirloin steak. It's not going to happen. I don't know how they do this. I don't know what they're using to print out edible content, what type of fiber. And I, and I certainly wouldn't want to clean the printer afterwards. That would just be... <laughs> well, because you're sitting there printing out, you're, you're printing out this goo that... From what I imagine, I think it is kind of like the stuff you get in the ramen noodles packages. Probably. And, a... and, and yeah, I would not want to be cleaning the printer. And it would have to be a dedicated printer because, you, yeah, I just printed out this memo for my TPS report. Why does this look like ketchup on here? You know, you don't want that. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, the, the, the whole thing of creating matter from energy Yeah, the understanding of physics to make edible biological matter that tastes exactly. Yeah, they're beyond present understanding is an understatement. It's just there's the levels of like biophysics and just, yeah. It, yeah, and, and this, the thing is, is that, you know, most people, they, they wouldn't even think twice about it. I mean, they really have to sit down and say, how is this happening? Because... You know, this shouldn't be able to just happen. I can't just go in and say, give me a hamburger or pull up in a slot, reach in and take a plate with a ham, you know, uh, a hamburger, you know, with a couple of uh, 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 cups with with various you know condiments in it and just take it back and eat it. And it's just like I expected. I mean, that does, you know, that should when people really think about it, that should really boggle their mind because of the, as they say, the level of detail and precision that would be required to do that is just unbelievable. It makes fabricating chips child's play. Yeah, if you're having to do something that is just like hard tech, but yeah, I, yeah, it, because matter for me, let's say you had to do, well, anything of a biological nature. Let's say you you manifest with this device a metal baseball bat, a softball bat. It's metal. There is a consistency to the molecular structure of that metal. 
you know it's there. There's not a lot of variation. Now give me a wood baseball bat. Because of the biological matter involved, you're going to have, it's going to have to be a very, because wood has all the various biochemical, and of course, if it's treated wood like you want a Louisville slugger, they chemically treat that wood. So you got to add that into the play. So yeah, biological matter, it, it's like inorganic matter wouldn't be the problem. That would be relatively easy to do. It's, if anything goes biological, that's where the real trickery, because I mean, unless you have a standard template for, okay, I want this bat. I want it made out of oak. Okay, now I want this one made out of pine. This one out of cherry wood. Then you're going to have the separate templates for those three particular types of wood. But even then, it would be complex because of all the biochemical intricacies of a standard piece of wood. Sure. It is, is, there's going to be a lot of chaos in how the cells and the layers are laid down. Yes. So, yeah, it, it, it's like it would be much easier to do hard tech. Right. Make me a computer board for this type of computer, and it'll print it up. Everything will be fine. And Okay, that, 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 done. So, yeah, biotech... I mean, first of all, EM conversion in and of itself, an incredibly advanced process. To do it for biological matter, even more so because of the biochemical intricacies. And they've had various conventions about, oh, yeah, we manufactured this steak. Looked like a steak. Smelled like a steak. Didn't taste like a steak. It was not the it tastes like chicken. No. And that... It, it just, yeah, you, you just have too much random variances to take into account in order to be able to do anything biological properly. In order to do so, it would be more god tech than just the stuff that could manufacture a computer chip. And the fact that you can get it at, at the appropriate temperature with the parts the different constituents of the object at the appropriate temperatures without irradiating or, you know, blowing up the entire world around them when it appears. Yeah, that's that's a that's a real trick right there. And, and which is kind of funny because the Tamelern cheated. What they do shunt all the heat, the excess heat extra-dimensionally or no, no, they had all those warehouse planets where they had all this stuff that they had made pre, you know, beforehand. And then when someone said, hey, I want this, instead of actually making it, then on the spot, they just shunted it from a warehouse using the big system. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why, you know, where there were just so many worlds with warehouses on them was just to keep ahead of the demand. Yeah, sometimes they had to do it, but they didn't have to do anywhere near the level of, 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 of fabrication that, you know, instantaneous fabrication that they would have had to do because most people want the same thing time and time again. So they just, you know, or there's going to be a million people who want the same thing. So it was real easy to just go and say, okay, I want this, and you've already pre-made them because somewhere out there there was an AI that said, these people are going to want this, so let's, let's have some factories you know, build nothing but that. Well, because they had the multiple amount of worlds where, oh, this world has no life on it whatsoever. It doesn't even have oxygen. You don't need oxygen to run a totally automated factory. And probably, and probably the Kellor didn't need to breathe anyways, the... Or if you need oxygen, you just take the sulfur dioxide, uh, uh, the silicate that's made out of rock, you know, and just break it down and get the oxygen. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of ways you could cheat on this, okay? But so, so somewhere they're going to probably have to do this. And that's where the real trick comes in. That's when the super, super, super science is involved with, by doing this. And, you know, they probably have to do it each part separately in a separate time box you know, time-space bubble, and then collapse them all together into an object and then just punk it through to, you know, um, the, the, the reality in which they want it to have. And so everything, and it just seems like they it materialized out of nothing, way beyond Star Trek technology, except for the fact it already is part of Star Trek technology. 
So how are they doing it? You know, the tel the teleporter on Star Trek has always been, you know, it's either a god machine or it's the worst thing around because, you know, it just does, you know, when they were just taking people, tearing them apart and sending them down someplace, it was, you know, almost, almost within believability. But once they just started manufacturing things whenever they wanted to, that was when it was like, nah, I don't think so. At their level of technology. Now, at, at Melbourne and, and um, uh, who were the guys on the planet, you know, um, where they, they were the, the, the Enterprise was fighting the Klingons and at the end of which they said, nobody's died here in thousands of years, <laughs> but we just saw you executed. <laughs> I can't remember their name. Start with an H. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, but those guys, they're like, oh, it's all nothing. You know, we, this was child's play. We just wanted to see how you guys would interact with each other. And definitely, we're, it's not time for us to meet you. <laughs> so go off and, and just remember, in, 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 in not too long, you guys are going to be fast friends. We'll never do that. Then we have, you know, next gen. <laughs> yeah. Which was like less than 100 years later. Yeah, yeah. Well, all it took was like a a, a a moon blowing up, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Praxis, yeah. And the Kittimer Accords, yeah. Okay, so so that's a true super super science thing. Where if you can do this, and of course it's you know it's used in um, you know I mean that's literally I mean it's magic, you know from, from the standpoint of anybody seeing it. You know you're essentially doing a minor creation or even a major creation, a wish. It's essentially a wish. You know, where you just make something come into existence that, that wasn't there a second ago. And, you know, however it happens, it happens. But the most important thing is the fact is that it doesn't announce itself with a lot of fanfare. Yeah, because energy-matter conversion, I mean, first of all, you're teleporting, you're creating a piece of matter into a space that is already filled with air. You don't have, like, let's say that T Earl Grey hot appears... There's not this massive wind that blows out the front of the the slot because you displaced all the or like a pot, you know, like nightcrawler teleporting in or whatever. So yeah, that's another thing that they hand waved away and yeah, that was something. After a while, I watched that and I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. When I learned about displacement of objects and that's when I started shaking my head at next gen. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. We're now up to domination of will. So this is where you're able to essentially control somebody else, you know, uh, with, uh, with or without their knowledge, but in such a way that they will do what you ask, you want them to do, Without essentially shutting down, where you're essentially walking them around like a robot, you know, you're they can move, they move naturally, they act naturally. As far as you know, their bodily mechanics are concerned, their senses and everything else, you're able to, you know, force them to do something that they don't, that they have no will involved. They may even be fighting against it, and they have no choice. So that kind of thing is would be really highly advanced. Well, yeah, in order to sit there to access, to have the technology to access senses, motor function. Memory? Yeah. Well, I mean, it really gets bad when you're doing things like stopping things like autonomic function, where your domination of their will, where you can cut their... That that's a dangerous thing because it's like that. Oh God, what was it? the Dark Tower where um the sorcerer, yeah, Matthew McConaughey's character where he just walked by, stop breathing, and that's what you do, and you drop there, and within a few minutes you're dead. And I saw that for the first, you know, when the movie came out last year, I was like, oh, okay, wow. And you know, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking of the level of power that you would need to do that, and I'm like. That would definitely be a high-level spell or psionic power, just where you could kill somebody within a round. Well, I mean, you'd have to understand exactly how their brain worked. You'd have to have that level of knowledge to be able to not only know how their brain worked, but how their brain was working. 
So you could essentially just come over, grab their brain, and start driving it your, you know, way you want to. That whole thing where suddenly you can just, you know, change somebody. Somebody's like, I don't, I can't control myself. I, you know, I have to, I have to do this, you know, stuff. And, uh, you know, that's that's where it's a partial control, where they, they're they're able to uh, actually tilt. You know, they can't. Someone is taking control of their physical body, but they've left their their mind alone. Yeah. And you know, and apparently they still can talk. But you know, just those are that's a fairly gross thing where they go over and they strangle somebody to death, or they throw themselves off of a cliff because they want the person to die, and you know, uh, uh, or they want that person to kill somebody else and therefore be responsible, and nobody would know. So that level of of control, um, I mean, either you know, at, at the at the least part of it, all the way up to the the part where you don't even know why you did something, you just did it. And you have no explanation for it, but you just did it anyways, uh, like like uh, you know, like you're schizophrenic, okay. And that's you know that's a level of precision that is just beyond anything that anybody can understand right now in our world. Well, I don't even think that we have the map, the brain fully mapped out, and I think they still say we only use ten percent of our full brain power. That's a myth. All they're saying is, is that only ten percent of our brain is used for thinking. There's all everything else is used to control all the other parts of our body. You know, we have a temporal lobe, and that controls processing of of uh, of, of sounds and things like that. We have an occipital lobe that processes information from our eyes. Okay, it's not like our brain can suddenly reach back there and start using some of that for, you know, thinking. You know, storing memories. It's not how it works. You know, it's, you know, the brain, the frontal lobes is where all the thinking happens. And, uh, you know, it, there, there isn't, that, that 10% thing was just, I forget why they said it that way, but yeah, there only 10% of your brain is used for thinking, you know, conscious thought. The rest of it is used for other things, which is good because when you get damaged to that other parts of your brain, it doesn't keep you from thinking. But generally speaking, people who get a, you know, something massively happened to their frontal lobes that you know, they don't they don't recover, you know, except for that one those couple really weird people that got like a spike through their brain. Yeah, and it actually went through the frontal lobe and 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 then they changed personalities completely, usually, or had terrible memory problems and things like that. So no, they don't have even a, much of a clue yet at all with the brain. I mean, right? They're still trying to figure out what happens when people take drugs and you know how it affects brain function by doing various mappings with you know PET scans and such. They don't know how uh, they've changed their mind on on um, on memory. Originally, they said that it was all an RNA, and then we had all these stories about people getting drips, RNA drips, into their bloodstream, which would then give them the skills they needed, you know, to do things. And it was donated by somebody who was really good at it. Um, the uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, movie uh, TX, whatever it was, you know, they had a whole scene where all these teenagers were all, you know, in a line going up an escalator, all carrying a, a, a pole with something dripping into their for, into their forearms as they were learning as they were going places. George Lucas, THX 1138. Oh, it was Lucas, not Spielberg. Okay, sorry, sorry. But we're talking about domination of wills. I'm, I'm putting it separate from the mechanical learning where, you know, because literally this is where you, you are essentially replacing somebody's brain with some with another set of personality paradigms where you literally are forcing them to do what you want them to do. I mean, I find that hideously terrible for someone to do that, but I could see times when you'd want to do that. For example, you have somebody who's, you know, uh, let's say, a, oh, uh, a Walter Mitty kind of person who's just uh, retiring or whatever and, and all of a sudden, they get into a mercy situation, and they want to shut down. All of a sudden, something clicks in their brain. Something basically, you know, is you know takes control, and they get themselves up. And even though they hurt, even though they maybe have some wounds on them, they still get up and they get themselves over 
you know, uh, to where they need to go, or they're standing at the top of a burning building, and some, and, and they, and they're saying, "Jump, jump! We got the thing down there." And they're like, "No, I can't. I'm afraid of heights." And all of a sudden, something clicks in their brain, and they just do the perfect, you know, jump and land, and they're safe. I can see some times when you'd want to take over people's mind. A shooter, someone who's, you know, trying, threatening people. You know, click. Okay, he puts the gun down. He puts his hands behind his head, the police come up, handcuff him, and then pff, he's back to normal again. So I, I can see times when it would be, as far as the society is concerned, useful and proper to do that. Now, it might it might still be a gross violation of personal ethics. Yeah. And the fact that people should have the right to, you know, to, to not be dominated like that, but... I can see where there'd be plenty of societies that would give you that choice. Well, yeah, the whole thing of doing that, it is removing one's power of choice, which is probably in, in and those of you listening, you know what I'm referring to. I'm not going to bring up the word, you know what I'm talking about. It is one of the worst things you can do to a person. So if you're dominating that person's will, Without their consent, yeah, it it in science fiction, superhero science fiction, telepaths often have a code. It's as I said, I've used the term before called mentatics. Basically, there are just certain things they will not probe a telepathic mind. They will not use telepathy to probe another's mind without consent. They will not do gross mind control like the sci-fi series Alphas with the character Nina who had the hypnotic voice. Oh no, she was doing all sorts of stuff to people, stealing cars and she had a relationship with another of the Alphas so after a while they broke up because he, what, he was not ever, he was never certain that it wasn't her voice doing it. So yeah, there are just certain things that people with psychic powers they follow this code in order to not encroach on another person's freedom of choice. Of course. Yeah, the miniseries, Gen Gen uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, say uh, Kilgrave. Yes, exactly. It would be a perfect example of someone who gave, and I'll use the, the watered-down term, zero Fs. He did everything, all he could, and that's why Jessica had PTSD and just, Yeah. People, people would do what he said that they should do as if it was their own idea. Because he got into their head that well, he hit that part of the brain, which not only it forced you to do it, but it made you feel like, okay, uh, gaming term, like the spell charm person on crack. Mm -hmm. Because they say, you, you hear this from this person, and it seems like, a wonderful thing you can do with charm person though things that would be totally anathematical against you you would get the saving throw what we're talking about here there's no saving throw you were told to kill somebody you'd be like oh god what was it the old treat williams movie city heat where the guy would say kill this man won't you and he would just walk toward the guy ready to kill him and just say, yes, kill this man, won't you? Same thing, where you had no issues with it whatsoever. <laughs> right. And and it's very possible for you to go to a world like this and they're like, well, we have a, you know, we have a strict set of rules, you know, which are if you don't violate these rules, this will never come into effect. But if you do, then it will automatically trigger and, you know, like you say through a cloud of nanites you inhale or whatever it might be, you know, it's, it's set up in your brain, and they just simply say, here's, you know, you're, it's just sitting there waiting for, for the opportunity to trigger and to take over and do, and, and basically bring you to the point where you're not doing it, and everybody is, is no longer in violation, and at which point then you basically go get, get control back, and you're just like, okay, well, that was no fun, so I guess I won't do that anymore, and society prospers. Usually, if you're going to have something like that as a power in the world, you're going to have, hopefully, if you are of an advanced enough society, both technologically and ethically, 
you're going to have the rules saying, we just don't do it like that. We, that's not what it was made for. Each individual person might have their own list of, of things that they want as part of this. Like, I will never you know, uh, have sex without the use of a condom unless it's for the purposes of procreation. Yeah. And no matter and, and no matter what, you're going to reach for that condom and slap it on the per, the appropriate person, you know, uh, and just that would be one of your things. Or I will never uh, drink alcohol again if you're an, a, an addict. OK, so you walk in, you, you know, you can even order the drink, whatever. But when it comes time to pick it up and put it in your mouth, you, you're not going to do it. And you're like, well, that was a waste. Yeah. So, I mean. You know, there might be ways of gaming that system because that's what people do. But the point is that these are things you yourself wanted to do. So there could be a whole list of things that you do as a kind of a self-help plan. Um, and so, yeah, there's going to be some fallout because there's going to be times when you should be drinking that alcohol. You know, but and I, I um, you know, as, as an impromptu uh, painkiller, let's say, you know. Yeah. I, I uh, or you just got something really bad in your mouth and you need to disinfect it, you know, by, by and you can't because, you know, you you programmed it out. So hopefully, you know, you'll be somewhere where you can basically reprogram those things. So and, and I'm trying to bring up the fact that there are some positive ways this could be applied because the negative ones are so obvious. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I am the great overlord. You all obey me. Yes, overlord. Thank you. Yeah, things <laughs> like doing post-hypnotic suggestions for like, okay, to stop smoking or overeating or drinking to excess. Like, oh, you only have one glass of wine a night. That is it. You're not going to empty a whole bottle. And okay, fine. So this would be another one of those high technologies that You'd better have the ethics in place before you go and make it because, yeah. It, it, because if you don't, someone's going to take advantage. A dark, dark path, yes. Mm -hmm. Sure. And as, as, as we've been saying, it's almost like a thematic thing we've been talking about is, is that apparently these putting nanites in your brain, you know, hooking you into some kind of a computer system opens the door to so many of these kinds of things. Yeah, again, the what I had found the term mimetic viruses and thought hacking and yeah. I mean, all those things that like, you know, the, the, the gray goo virtual reality, the instantaneous, you know, uh, communications, instrumentality, telepathy, mechanical learning, you know, domination. Well, they, they all could be done administered through some kind of nanite um, um, computer network that you add to your brain. Which is, you know, one of the reasons why I, I think cyberpunk is an interesting genre because it could so easily, you know, I mean, there, it, it, some things must be really, really hard to do because otherwise you'd think that everybody would have this. This would be like an ongoing problem, you know, in, in doing that. There was a really good book I read, which unfortunately I don't have in front of me, so I can't tell you the title of it. Everybody used a kind of a transporter, a teleporter. And it basically broke, it, essentially what it did was is it, it broke them down at, uh, at, at their origin and it just sent the information to, the, um, to, to where they wanted to go and then it would reconstruct them there. And, and as far as their society was concerned, when you got reconstructed, that was you. You know, that, it was perfectly fine. But what happened was that some people went and sent a virus into the, all the, all the, the uh, transmitter receiving stations and everybody lost their mind. They lost their memories. And all of a sudden everybody came out and everybody had no memories at all and literally destroyed a star-faring civilization overnight because everybody was using them constantly and they didn't know about it. It was only people who were, for some reason, they were like on remote... Um, uh, installations where they didn't, you know, they either they couldn't communicate or they were out of communication for a while for some reason. And then when they got back into communication and they realized that nobody was talking to them, that's when they said, well, you know, after sending a couple of people through and they still didn't get any communication, they said, maybe we should stop doing that and came back and literally had to take care of a planet full of babies, adult babies. Yeah. Oh, and it took centuries for the for the um, civilization, a, a brand new civilization, essentially, to to come come to life.
where they essentially looked at books and such that were still in existence, and they said, well, what kind of a civilization do we want? What do we care about? And so they, I mean, they, some became religious ones, other people, uh, you know, uh, for, formatted their society along Venice, you know, the, the you know, but Romeo and Juliet type of, you know, the, the Renaissance, you know, so... And they and that was their civilization that they wanted to be, and they you know slowly worked their way up. And so in the book, you're basically seeing this from the eye viewpoint of somebody who's living two hundred some years after the event occurred, and you know, and and, the, and this is what his life is like. And so, but anyways, that was uh, <laughs> that's what can happen if you suddenly go and start messing doing stuff like this because they can erase, this is like they can give you memories, they can take them away. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license, no commercial reproduction, and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.